You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Hey, welcome to episode 99 of Flipping Tables. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I am David Lyons. And, uh... We're going to follow up. Happy New Year. Happy, what time is it right now? What day is it? What year is it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're recording this well in advance, so we're talking to you from 2015. We are. So hopefully from your point of view, you listened to the Christmas New Year's Spectacular last week and uh, wanted to stick with our trend of never missing a week. So I think uh, I'm going to be doing a little holiday stuff. You're going to be doing some holiday stuff with family, but we will not let that deter us. New episode every week. Yeah, and uh, we got just three topics, but I, th- I bet we'll fill an hour. I'm, I'm taking bets <laughs> on this. And our first topic is you finally got Metal Gear Solid Five. I did. It's pretty great. And I want to hear you gush about this game. So I've been a big fan of this franchise going back to the original Metal Gear Solid. Um, I never played the old... The original wasn't on a, the Nintendo. It was MSX? On like, that's it, Yes. So I, I never played those old, you know, 8-bit ones, um, although they do look fun. But I, I came into it in PlayStation era, Metal Gear Solid, and I just like, I loved everything about it. I still love everything about it. To me, it is not dated. Such in a slightest. landmark game. Yeah. The the gameplay, the voice acting, I know everybody says it's corny, but like, I was a kid. It well, was awesome. I, I have a very distinct memory of a, it might have been official PlayStation magazine, but they had a demo disc that yep. used to be a thing. Yep. The black and, one? Maybe yeah. I don't remember what the disc looked like, but uh, the it was just the first like scuba diving like elevator like one map. There was nothing else to this. You, we're bonding right now. Yeah, <laughs> and I played the hell out of that demo. Like it was amazing at the time. That sandbox of sneaking around and tricking the guy and tapping the wall and all that just seemed like mind blowing. Well, and it even had a good custom like they don't i don't feel like they really do this anymore with games because it's no longer appropriate to the medium but when you finished that little area it did the like when was like to be continued or whatever yeah and it was like it was almost the way i imagine people felt when they used to read like serialized novels where it was like one chapter was released every month in the mm-hmm. magazine like when i got to the end of that i was like then what happens <laughs> like, like i really really yeah. want a lot that. of like famous sci-fi novels are released that way yeah yeah it's that that's the, there's a lot to be said for not binge watching or binge playing. Like spreading it out gives you time to like digest and enjoy it. And also, yeah, the I, I love the second one. I know a lot of people hated riding, you know, but I, I loved it. So I've, I've been a big Iroquois fan. Pliskin, <laughs> all that crap. Um, I think even as complicated as the story's gotten, and Metal Gear Solid Five has not done any favors on that front. <laughs> Um, but it is complicated as the story's got and everything. I, I still love it. Even with, uh, what's his name doing the voice? Uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Him. Is it Kiefer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, the, the whole thing is just gangbusters. Buttery smooth. <laughs> the gameplay is super fun. 60 frames per second. 60 frames per second. Oh my God. But it's, uh, I think we talked about it a little bit, but some of the things that I'm noticing is the pacing of growth in the game feels really really well thought out like at first when uh i had to use the binoculars for everything i was like oh my god i'm never gonna be good at this 
Like I'm never going to have the patience to run circles around the outside of a place like the crazy robot on Mars and I robot. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> and find, make sure I have every enemy and every gun placement and everything like found ahead of time. Like eventually I'm going to get fed up and just run in like and the guards take naps and stuff. So you're never going to see all of them anyway. Yeah, they, they take naps. They change shifts. Like <laughs> as the day passes, if you take too long, they freaking change shifts. So the, the tagging thing, like I was a little tenuous about it at first and then I started to get a little better at it. Um, the reflex thing matters a lot yeah. because I'm not a great first person shooter, but with reflex timing and eventually scopes, everybody's a good first person shooter. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's kind of cool when I think with I've training tagged- wheels, anyone can ride a bike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like, I think I've tagged everyone and then I'm like running through the, the little village or whatever. Yeah. And, and it does the slow-mo and then I just turn. And from their point of view, they have the shocked look on their face and I'm like zooming way in on the scope. I'm like, I'm about to explode your brains all over Afghanistan. Hang on. I got to reload. Okay. I'm going to shoot you in the face. Yeah. And then everywhere. It's like, Oh man, it's, it's pretty satisfying. And I don't remember if I said this on the air or not. I know you and I talked about it. Uh, playing as, as snake, in uh, one and two and then in four, they really drove home like this is an infiltration mission. Your goal is to get information or to sabotage a thing. You're not here to murder people. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid five. <laughs> sometimes that is literally what you were set in to do is like, here's a hundred thousand dollars. Go kill these like yeah. six guys, you know, and when you I think you so, can extract them. You don't have to kill them. And I do think there's a little bit of like we talked about with Batman and the militarization theme. There's kind of the like, yeah, go kill everyone. But wait, should you just be killing everyone? Is this kind of perpetuating <laughs> yes. a really ugly kind of humanity? That's right. And and there are several missions where it's like, I'm supposed to eliminate this guy so i'm going to extract him and force him to join my army so technically the terms of my contract were completed but then they actually later there's a mission where you are literally told to kill these people to keep them from talking and then there's such a twist that i won't (laughs) spoil but it's like now you have to make the moral choice of following through on your contract versus doing what the character believes is the right thing to do and um you can probably guess they're children. It's because they're children. Yeah. Um, but there, there's just a lot of little things I noticed that are uh, like, I think, cute little touches. Um, you and I were talking that it's it's difficult when you do a prequel uh, where the technology, like the player <laughs> wants the technology to get better. But in the universe, it doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. It's Star Wars prequels. You're like, why is everything so nice? Yeah. Everything is way better in the further past. <laughs> what um but i noticed some some cute little touches uh his eye droid his like (laughs) pda thing which already the name is like adorable (laughs) but it uses a 30 pin connector did you notice this in the 80s (laughs) yes in the 80s it uses no doubt a 30 pin connector it's not a serial port it's not usb if it's something i've never seen a port that looked like a 30 pin it's not scuzzy it's not yeah it's way too small to be those it's thin and and long and flat but it's not big enough to be you know scuzzy printer port any of that crap 
So I was like, oh, that's funny because it's a, they're calling it an iDroid and it uses a 30-pin connector, which is outdated now because we have lightning and USB-C. <laughs> ha, clever. But it's like nobody ever talks about it. You just notice yeah. it. What they do talk about and you can't help but notice is the amazing 3D holography <laughs> yeah. that it does which would not be possible today, let like who, alone... who created the mapping data that goes into that? Yeah, the whole thing is Tom just... Tom. It's total wizardry. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm finding... Uh, I think a lot of people have said, like, oh, it's, it's a lot lighter on story than some of the other Metal Gear games. I think that was a, a warning you gave me when I started playing. And uh, I don't <laughs> feel like it's lighter on story so much as I feel like he's gotten better at pacing. <laughs> because it's not here's a three hour movie. Metal Gear Solid Four <laughs> was the worst at this. Yeah, and I think that final cutscene is literally down. 90 minutes. Here's an minutes. hour. Yeah, and you can move the camera sometimes, but that's it. Yeah, it's just absolutely not okay. And uh, so in this, you're deployed to the field. There's a lot of story done over the radio, so you're still doing stuff, but people are talking to you. Um, there's side missions that you can do and listen to like the cassette tapes. Which is, I think, kind of funny. Like, Susan actually noticed while I was playing. She was like, uh, did that guy just hand him a cassette tape? And I was like, oh, yeah, because it's like 84. So this is, yeah, this is dumb. Why did he just hand me a cassette tape? Like, I have all this other amazing revolutionary technology, and yet there's still cassette tapes everywhere. But the fun gotta catch them all aspect to it is Mm -hmm. uh, you can scavenge from the enemy soldiers and a lot of the drama is on the tapes oh yeah voice acting and you know see this is just proof that he's like refining the craft of super story heavy games you're given I mean I'm only like halfway through the game or less and I've already gotten dozens of cassette tapes that are optional to listen to but the ones that are super crucial are gold. Yeah. <laughs> and the ones that don't matter are just like the normal gray-blue color. But they're still great, a lot they, of them. They are still really great, but they made it really clear without ever explaining it to you explicitly. It's not like Miller gets on the radio and he's like, ah, boss, make sure you listen to the gold tapes. It's not like, like Zelda where it's like, let's walk through <laughs> tape listening. Exactly. No stupid owl over your shoulder. No clippy. Yeah. So, but it's really obvious, like gold in most like Western cultures tends to denote like, Oh, that's the important thing. It's shiny. Mm -hmm. So it's like really obvious. And, uh, it's, it's surfaced in a way that is hard to miss. Like when you're first learning how to listen to tapes, it's like some of these are colored different from the others, but you have to pick that up on your own. No character shoves that information down your throat. And, uh, that's what I've been doing is on side missions. Cause at first when I started, I was like, well, I'll just deploy and then go back like every time. Yeah. And then I noticed that that was costing a fortune. Yeah. Cause you buy new guns every time. <laughs> like it, it cost me like 13 grand. And they just invent new things for you to buy. As yeah. You go. So now I was like, -horse I can just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, now I can just go from like side op to side op and just be efficient and not have to like redeploy all of my equipment every time. So that's like you're running through the desert, literally on foot or in like a stolen Jeep or sometimes on D-Horse. I don't really bring him anymore. <laughs> Sorry, D-Horse. D-Dog, man. Yeah. Freaking wizardry. Like, Do you amazing. use quiet at all? Eh. I didn't get her that long ago. Oh, okay. I've used her a couple of times. But I actually got her before I got D-Dog because I wandered to Quiet's mission area uh, accidentally heading to another mission I had. And yeah. And then it was just like, oh, I guess I got quiet, and D-Dog took forever to grow up. 
Yes, I happened to because I was going back and forth every time. I think that's why D Dog spawned, and then I because like every side mission, every main mission, I was going back and forth to Mother Base. So then you, uh, I think it's the same for everybody. So like I land and he's right there, yeah. and I was like adorable, <laughs> adorable little puppy. They are probably not expecting me to execute him because he's an adorable puppy. So I will extract. Which him. small shout out? Have you watched all the YouTube clips where they replace the puppy with like Ocelot or anyone else? No, the the character oh, like, models like the pc mods so like whatever cinematic <laughs> where the puppy's given to big boss and he picks it up and he like kind of <laughs> hugs it well now it's ocelot sitting in his arms staring at him <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing um we'll have to throw that in the show notes which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 99 this is the one thing i feel like i miss out from pc gaming as mods but there are so many mods, and so many of them are not good. So it's nice to just be like, I'll just watch the funny ones on YouTube. Yeah, and this one's not for gameplay anyway. It's just for ridiculous scenes. So that I mean, there's another famous scene where two characters dance in the rain, and one of them basically strips naked almost. And when you switch that with Ocelot, <laughs> which no clothes actually come off, it's just his character daintily <laughs> dancing around. <laughs> I like it. It's it's amazing. So I did once I got the ability to customize D Dog, I of course made him look like a fox. Please tell me that's what you did. <laughs> Foxhound. You look so cool. Did you play around with all the logo making for Mother Base? Incredibly briefly. <laughs> yeah, that as soon as I opened that whole interface, I was like, Cool, this is not for me. <laughs> this is designed for other people. So I found a uh, a silhouette of a like a like a Game of Thrones style medieval lion, like, you know, roaring yeah. in the very ornate mane and fur and everything. And uh, so I slapped that on there, made it solid red, big black background. Those are my two favorite colors. <laughs> I was like, and I'm done. And that's what I've had ever since they, you know, gave me, they're like, oh, you can now customize your thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, neat. Yeah, bored. Yeah. So, and that's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like you can customize tons of things. You can do all sorts of stuff with, the soldiers that are back on mother base, none of that is required or shoved down your throat. She's like, Hey, very forgiving. If you want this, this is over here, by the way. And we're never going to mention it again. Benefits that you can live without, but are nice. If you want to pursue this, like if you want to be motivated, there are reasons to do these things. It's not just junk, but yeah, I, I have done a little bit of weapon customization because uh, the minute I realized I can add an 8x zoom scope to the gun that I was using, I was like, yes, because I don't want to just shoot someone in the head. I want to shoot them in a specific tooth. Like, I want to know exactly what part of their head exploded and why and from what angle. So I'm not like I'm I'm decent enough at the game. Like, I wouldn't say I'm great. I'm definitely not terrible, but I can feel my progression outpacing my equipment so i'm not getting better just because my equipment's getting better i am actually learning through gameplay how to be better at the tasks i'm being assigned which to me feels like a big win in gaming it's like i want to get to the end of the game and enjoy the story and all that but it's also nice to be like oh look how much awesomer like in the end i just stabbed everybody and i interrogated that guy (laughs) and and i tranked this other guy while he was trying to sneak up on me because screw you asshole like that's not something I could have done on day one. Yeah. And 
the emergent gameplay does have lots of fun, fun and funny things that just kind of happen. And I mean, my my video, which we'll throw in the show notes again, <laughs> is uh, I it, apparently this happened because it's nighttime and the characters didn't really know what was going on. But I there was a caravan, there was a jeep I was supposed to stop or rescue a prisoner from, and I parked D horse in the road and I took cover, you know, about twenty meters away <laughs> and just like was waiting, and this car just tramples straight through D horse. He does. <laughs> The the best part of that video has to be Shelby's reaction though. So that's ever it's the whole video is what like fifteen seconds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which check I it didn't out even realize at first that my PlayStation camera was capturing my reaction as I recorded that. Oh uh, yeah, that's on by default. Because I was, I think I might have been twitching at the same time or something. Yeah, but. yeah, it's it's really funny though. <laughs> but it's it's. I think this is closer to what people were hoping for with Metal Gear Solid Four. Because Metal Gear Solid 4 was going to be like the big next gen, yeah. right? So, I mean, not the not exactly the gameplay style because Solid Snake has never been about being a mercenary the way... Yeah, building big an army. Is. Yeah. Um, so the, the army building stuff definitely wouldn't have been there. But the a little bit more free roaming, the camera, like they introduced in Metal Gear Solid 3 where you could like more free camera, like... I think this is what we were building towards, and it just took a little longer than expected. But my God, the polish on the gameplay is just refreshing. And uh, what I found was an interesting gap they bridged is so Metal Gear, Metal Gear, uh, Metal Gear, <laughs> Metal Gear, <laughs> Solid Three introduced like the camouflage concept where you have a rating depending on how your camouflage matches what you're laying in, and then Metal Gear Solid oh, yeah. Four took it to another level because it was in the future. He had a special suit that could adapt to whatever he was laying on or against, and uh, the gameplay kept driving in this be invisible everywhere kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, when I watched videos of Phantom Pain um, before it came out and before I got used to how it works, I was like worried, like, oh, we don't have like this camouflage system. Um, I feel it's like my little safety, like, <laughs> like I want that. I need flotation. my cardboard box. Yeah, of like I want to be able to like take three hours to crawl across this base because I'm <laughs> changing my camouflage every five seconds. And it turns out that once I let that go, it's actually no way more fun the way it works in Phantom Pain. Yeah. Well, it feels like the the AI is tuned a little less realistically and a little more fun, but a couple of times the generosity of the AI has actually bitten me. So here's a perfect example. <laughs> the vast majority of the time, the soldiers do not notice D dog. They just flat out because otherwise they would always see him. Running around all over the damn place. So that would be like a huge annoying problem, but they, they, Unless you tell him to interact with the the soldiers, they generally do not see or hear him. But if you are trying to do something specific, like hide in a box, they will see him, think that the thing that got their attention is him, and then be like, oh, shoo, dog, and then go back to what they're doing. Well, I was trying to hide, and this guy saw me, and he was like up on a watchtower area, like with the big spotlight, so he didn't have a post to return to. So what happened is he literally got stuck in an infinite loop where he would <laughs> see D-Dog, look, and then do the shooing gesture, then turn back, then immediately see him again in his periphery, <laughs> look, 
do the shoeing gesture. And I waited like 90 seconds and he just over and over. <laughs> so finally I just had to shoot him. I just had to pop up out of the box and shoot him in the face to save him from this Sisyphusian hell that he was trapped in. Shoe dog, don't bother me. <laughs> it was just, and, and similar things have happened where uh, the AI obviously should not have noticed that I was there. But it's like, okay, for that one time it flubbed up and did something that I felt was biased against the player. There's a thousand times they should have noticed me. Perfect example is stabbing someone to death is apparently whisper quiet (laughs) because two guys can be standing like within arm's reach of each other. But if they're not looking at each other and you grab the one in the back and stab him to death, his friend just keeps on hustling like everything's fine. Way tuned to fun rather than (laughs) realism. But that's I, I don't I don't want Call of Battlefield Bro Duty 10. I, I don't. I love the stupid universe. I love that there's people with superpowers and they kind of never explain why. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it's just so, some of it's explained away with science and technology, even if it's fantasy, sci fi. Yeah. But some of it's explained away, but a lot of it's just like, yeah, that guy was magic. Weird. <laughs> and then everybody gets over it. I mean, a, a lot of Metal Gear is haha nano machines. <laughs> yeah. Especially for, yeah. well, Two and four. Yeah. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> nanomachines. <laughs> nanomachines do everything. <laughs> they are magic. Everything in the world that's ever been magic is actually just nano. So I had one other video we'll toss in the show notes, and that's, uh, I've seen a lot of these videos, but um, in Metal Gear Solid Five, you can toss empty, supposedly empty magazines I think I know what you're talking about. And, in, into the saluting... Yeah. <laughs> and so you can, so a lot of people made videos of just like when you're on mother base, just torturing <laughs> your loyal subjects by throwing magazines in their crotch and they don't flinch <laughs> or like doing some CQC and knocking them down to the ground and then throwing magazines on them. <laughs> and I've, I've seen some videos where people get crazy. Like oh, the, these are like uh, assault rifle magazines, by the way. Yeah. Not, not like not paper magazines. Fair. Yeah. Like clips. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, um, People like on top of buildings with the perfect arc so it lands on a guy like a hundred <laughs> feet down and like every corner of this game is like weirdly detailed and like rock solid specific and I've seen people like call in D horse so he lands on a car that's driving by. Yes. And the physics of the game allow for that. Yep. He can land on a car. I was actually really disappointed to see that they will not let you jump from him into the back of like a large truck. <laughs> Because I thought for sure that that would work. Yeah, the reason that's how much trust they build, and you're like, <laughs> yes. I bet they let you do this. <laughs> well, and the reason it doesn't work is actually makes sense in the gameplay universe. When you get that close to a vehicle, the horse gets scared and bucks, <laughs> so you never get close enough to jump on. So I was like, well, it's not that the physics don't work; it's that <laughs> I just can't torture my horse into a near death experience. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, disappointed, but believable. But then, like, I think I told you when I I had to fight this sniper, so quiet, right? Um, She's a sniper, which means you either have to out-snipe her or you have to, like, somehow sneak around her without her noticing that you are getting closer to her position. She's really good. Really good. Or you can uh, call in a supply drop and just have a crate dropped on her head (laughs) and it knocks her unconscious. And I was like, that's... That's exactly the kind of thing Kojima does. Like, yeah, in, it's in, such a serious game, but then something so ridiculous yeah. works. But like in Metal Gear Solid Three, there was a sniper that if you 
turned off the game and waited a week, or if you set the clock on your your PS2 forward, he died of old age. Yeah, like who does that in a yeah. game? In uh, in Metal Gear Solid One, famously the Psycho Mantis, you had to move the controller port because he was a mind reader. Yeah, so you had to move the controller, you literally the physical controller, him. into the second port, so he couldn't read your mind. And if you had any other Konami games on your memory card, he would read your mind and know what games you played. I see you like Castlevania because <laughs> I always had a Symphony of the Night. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it, this just feels like. A grand, such a joyous play with yeah, what games yeah, are. Yeah, it's just it's a grand evolution of the series. Like I feel like the gameplay is improved, the story's improved, the voice acting's improved, the universe is still benefiting from finding out more about the universe. It's because Metal Gear Solid Four felt a little, a lot was being dumped, yeah, onto the universe to tie up some a lot of lecture, <laughs> a lot of lecture, a lot of cutscenes. Um, this has been streamlined like story. There's still rich story, but it's not like he wants to pull you in. Like you got to kind of look for it and like, it's there. There's so much detail there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very happy with it and also really interested in what's going to happen to Kojima now that he got officially like let go from Konami and was immediately seized upon by Sony. Yeah. Like they must have been waiting outside the door of the office of Konami with like a bag of money. You up? <laughs> I can't. I mean, it was like a two-day turnaround. He, I, he had to have known he was yeah. on the outs for oh, yeah. months. So it's not really a two-day deal. But it's kind of like if you know. As soon as the check clears, start yeah, yelling about if, it. If you know you and your significant other are not happy it's still a little shady if like a week after you're like, this is my new girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, so how long were you looking for a replacement? <laughs> but I mean, from Kojima's point of view, it's like, well, yeah, of course I was looking for another job. I knew you were going to fire me. So he's not in the, you wouldn't let me go to a game show <laughs> yeah. and accept an award. You dicks. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not in the wrong. It's just like, it, it was breakneck speed that he was already snatched. We need up. to link to that. Konami gif. <laughs> it's a really good. It's uh it's downright believable too. Like <laughs> I don't know what they were actually saying, but I'll bet these words aren't far off from what they were thinking. <laughs> but I am looking forward to what he does next because I'm about halfway through Metal Gear Solid 5. I am looking forward to finding out more story, but I'm not looking forward to finishing it. Like I'm I'm kind of glad that they the the mission style of gameplay allows like oh now that you have this amazing equipment and you understand the universe better go yeah. back and replay earlier missions and dominate them yeah you know whereas like metal gear solid 4 was metal gear solid 4 hallway edition where it was like oh did you walk through a door no going back now buddy <laughs> yeah. i mean literally like that door is now hermetically sealed here's you a 30 minute meryl scene and yeah. now <laughs> whereas in in metal gear solid 5 you can even replay main story missions and like Everyone just acts like you're playing yeah. it for the first time. So, which I wish you could do in the other games, or like if 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 they ever did. I know they did HD remakes of two, three, two and three, mm. but um, if they well, ever, well, they they did like the upscale. Yeah, they didn't change. Not a full. Yeah, not not the Last of Us, but it's surprisingly <laughs> still looks pretty good. Um, oh, I'm not trying to diminish it. It's just it's it's yeah, more, it's more not that, a full remake. More it's, that upscaling. Um, but if they, if they turned it into a mode where you could replay sections as individual little missions, that'd be cool. Because some of the the tanker, like, not the whole tanker, but parts of the <laughs> tanker are really fun. Yeah. 
And then there's kind of some fluff of like, uh, yeah, you got to fight Olga. Who cares? And <sighs> like, there's a yeah. Well, I feel like the 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 mercenary being deployed on an operation story framing device fits replay better because it's like, oh, you're not replaying this mission. You're doing this mission you've already done for the first time. There's another valuable prisoner. (laughs) Yeah, but replaying chunks of the story would feel... It would be fun, but it would be distinctly video gamey. Like, you'd be very aware you were breaking the narrative, which Kojima, not a fan of, Narrative is like really important. That to him. fourth wall is rock solid for Kojima. <laughs> yeah, he he really story is important to the guy. I mean, gameplay is not a second class citizen, but story big time important. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm happy with it. I'm really happy with it. I'm I know that there's some crazy crap coming up because one, unfortunately, a few things got spoiled for me when. I know I'm not a big deal on spoilers, <laughs> but the way it was spoiled for me was really obnoxious. Um, and two, what it was obvious <laughs> and two halfway into the game, only like a couple totally nonsensical BS things have happened. And I'm like, that's not nearly enough. Like, <laughs> so there's going to be like a dense nougaty center of crazy yeah. coming up in the near 61. future. <laughs> yeah. Whatever Campbell yells at the end of Metal Solid 2. Oh, yeah, when he just starts, like, shouting numbers <laughs> yeah. and nouns, like, random nouns, yeah. For some reason, 61 always stuck out to me as, like, I need to say a random number now. It's 61 <laughs> it's because of Roy Campbell. Not Order 66. <laughs> That's a little dark. Oh, but it's from such a dumb movie, so who cares? <laughs> so, actually, so this is a, an aside. By the time this airs... Uh, you will have seen the new Star Wars. Yes. I have already seen the new Star Wars, but we're not going to talk about it because we are not assholes. (laughs) So at some point in the future, maybe end of January, into February, but none of the... I respect you spoiler people who don't want things spoiled. So, yeah. You excited? I am. You're excited. As as of recording, I'm seeing it tomorrow. (laughs) As of recording, I am excited. Excitement may wane at a future date. Terms and Excitement apply. subject to change <laughs> without notice. So that's enough video game gushing. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of uh, real work. Big, big quotes around that. Which internet commenters are fond of referencing, super debating the merits of devices. Yeah, so uh, I think you have talked a little bit about you have an iPad Pro now. Yeah. And... <laughs> There's also the the Pixel C, and there's been Surface Eye for a while. <laughs> Surfaces, <laughs> Surfopodies for for God, I guess like two or three years now because they're on the fourth one. Yeah, it's been at least three years, I think. Yeah. Um, so this idea of tablet as productivity device, yeah, has been around for a while and for far longer. Obviously, touchscreen laptops and all, but I feel it's, like there's this big. Uh, like oh those those are consumption devices you can't do real work and yet this, this idea is every of real internet work. comment form <laughs> ever is and and I've said this I've I'm been this this troll person but real work has never been defined clearly it's a very intentional it's almost vague... like lots of different people do very different things <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've mentioned your your foray into this creative field and you have an iPad Pro now and you've mm-hmm. been using it for what a couple of weeks. 
Yeah. As of recording, a couple of weeks. Yeah, as of recording, <laughs> I've only had the the pencil for like days. Right. Um. But yeah, I've had the iPad Pro, which is just this goofy large iPad. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, uh, it, you've you've got it that the the quotes real work thing is the most obvious place to dismantle this weird situation of people saying like is there one kind of work and like like yeah the clamshell laptop with a keyboard and a screen is like seems like a really stable form that i don't see going anywhere for anytime soon yeah certainly not anytime soon it's like we kind of settled in that this makes sense for certain kinds of work and it's really really good at it and uh I, I can't remember if this was like a, a critical path concept or who who where I read this, but um, when something new comes in the technology, it's always competing against like a basically perfected form of what's already there. And right, because you would only do something new at the end of the previous thing's life cycle. Yeah, and and this new thing is not perfected, <laughs> and so all the criticism always centers on this thing is perfectly designed to do what it does. Why do I want your thing? And you know, the whole, I, the reason I think it's critical path, cause it's all disruption theory, like asymmetrical warfare, like the that iPad, like the yeah. iPad isn't going to beat laptops at laptopiness, but <laughs> it may still beat them anyway for right. unforeseen reasons. But I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to is we, you absorb all the biases of this thing that works and does what it does. Um, and then you see this other thing that's different and you're like, that's stupid. <laughs> I can't type on that. I don't know, merry-go-round over there. It's not useful <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I, I do have to pair my own Bluetooth keyboard to a merry-go-round, which I find frustrating. <laughs> Because the speech to text on merry-go-rounds is crap. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so I, I think this is actually, I'm, I've noticed that we tend to vehemently agree with each other sometimes, <laughs> but I'm excited for this one because I want to understand tablets and touch devices as productivity devices. But I am very aware... Productivity is just a code word for real work. (laughs) Right. But I'm very aware of this bias in myself. And part of of my inclination is when people say, like, I just prefer iOS. I just... I feel like I can get so much more done on iOS. I'm like, why? (laughs) I'm not saying you're lying. I'm saying I don't believe you. Like... Not because what you're describing is impossible. I just, I don't think that what you're saying is actually true. And I mean, I would jump in right now and say, I'm not in that camp. I don't (laughs) prefer iOS. I don't get more done on it. And uh, I still think there's something interesting in the, the tablet mobile. Like, I mean, this is kind of the big battle going on is... Apple and arguably Google are coming from the simplistic mobile side and building up. And Microsoft's like, well, we're starting with Windows and cutting down. Because everything's Windows. Even the Xbox freaking (laughs) runs Windows. And, uh, you know, are they going to end up the same place anyway? Probably. But, you know, which path is going to be more successful or better? Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm not in that camp of like, I want this iPad to replace my laptop. I wanted this not to type on. I don't, like we were talking before the show, I'm really hesitant to buy any sort of keyboard for this iPad. Or, or even you have the Apple Bluetooth keyboard, which would pair with it. Yeah. But then it's like, are you really going to prop it up on the stand and go get the keyboard and, and pair it? And then have it? 5% of the keyboard shortcuts I use on Mac. And it's yeah. just like... So, you know, I I was having fun when I first got the iPad because I didn't have the pencil yet, so I couldn't dive into the art stuff. I mean, you can use your finger, but it's just not. You don't get pressure sensitivity. Or, it's just not the same, it's man. It's really not. It's, really, it's not. I, I only played with it for about 10 minutes earlier, and I was immediately smitten. I was like, I get it. Yep. I, yeah. Okay. I see why this is amazing. Which, that was the, <laughs> the, the reason I wanted the device, but um, I forget what I was saying, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't tempted to buy a keyboard. Their their hundred and seventy dollar accessory. I'm balking <laughs> at that. And uh, oh yeah, so I was having fun when I first got it. Before I had the pencil, was like, what if I could do all my web publishing stuff from an iPad? As a sort of like, oh, it's a novelty. I'll <laughs> I'll figure out how to SSH into my Mac. I'll figure out you know the GitHub publishing repo stuff. And got all that set up, and I. It's it's a hassle. I don't want to do it that way. Yeah. I fire up my Mac. I can do that stuff so freaking fast. And like even just even like oh well, I'll just use the iPad as a distraction-free writing center. Ugh. But then I'm like, well, I got to copy it in the Dropbox, and then I gotta you know if I want to move it between apps on the iPad, I'm making copies of that file, which just seems insane. Yeah. And it's just like a whole bunch of like this is this is either just stupid or it's just a different <laughs> kind of device. And <laughs> yeah, so I'm very much not in the camp of iOS is going to replace desktop software. It's more like what people need to do with computers. And if you get out of your head that a computer is a laptop and that it's really going to be so a whole mesh of random different things, then the person that wants to draw and that's what they want to do, why would they buy a laptop? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, t- uh, t- uh, laptop's really terrible for that. And all the arguments <laughs> for it are based on current, like, entrenched things. You need a Cintiq, you need Adobe software, you need all the professional industry is here right now using it this way. Fine, I get that. If you're working now, don't buy an iPad Pro. It's not <laughs> going to do that for you. Right. Yet, if ever, you're, you don't want to bet on it now. But so my problem with the way I hear people talk about an iPad as a productivity device is the the discussion inevitably comes to text entry, right? Because yeah. if you're a writer or if you are a salesperson, you have to do a lot of email with your customers, or if you're a programmer and you're typing into Vim all day long, like all of those things are text entry, right? Yeah. Different kinds of text entry, but text entry and the idea of strapping a keyboard to the device and basically turning it into a laptop, that's where I'm like, why not just use a laptop? If you want a screen with words on it and a keyboard that lets you put more words onto that screen, <laughs> that problem is solved. And this is where... Yeah, it's been perfected. Yeah. We have that. And, and this is where people come back with like, well, I just prefer iOS. I feel like iOS is so much more productive and... Like I don't. I mean, I I have an iPad, but I don't use it terribly regularly, and I don't have an iPhone, so maybe there's just something I'm missing by not doing it firsthand. But the thing that I find awkward is 
it seems like a very similar Venn diagram overlap of there. So there's a lot of overlap of people who say, I feel like it's just a more productive focused device. And then in the same breath, they're like, and I want to be able to multitask and I want to be able to have a bunch of windows <laughs> and apps open simultaneously. And I'm like, you're describing a laptop. Yeah. We already have this thing. It's called a laptop. Yeah. If there's something you can do on an iPad or on an iOS, that's, different or better like fine rock on but all the things you just described are in yeah. indebatably done better on a laptop <laughs> unless there's just something magical about the experience of a bluetooth keyboard paired to a tablet <laughs> no. that i don't get no and then and even the whole like distraction free thing just kind of smacks of do you have no personal discipline? Like <laughs> you can find a Johnny Ive White Room text editor for your laptop. So this this is something uh, I get from you and from Susan a lot because you know you're like a, a pretty disciplined creator, and Susan is like Captain Discipline. Like she has unlimited <laughs> willpower. So the idea that she would ever use like a self help kind of book like oh i just i need to know how to improve my discipline is also, like also is it really self help if you're reading someone else's is, advice yeah haha <laughs> <laughs> but you know what i mean like yeah. it's a lot of people just like people clean the kitchen when they're supposed to be you know writing an essay for class when you're in college or whatever like the adult version of that is setting up your productivity suite and <laughs> yeah. and reading about productivity hacks and it's the 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 distraction free writing app is the current pop culture example of that it's like no i need i can't see a menu bar there can't i don't want the cursor flashing i just want my creativity to flow out of me <laughs> onto the screen and it's like yeah that problem's also solved it's called a sheet of paper like here's yeah. a white sheet of paper with no lines on it and here's a pen Right. So I feel I, I want, I'm almost tempted to like buy an iPad, buy a Bluetooth keyboard and try and live off of it for no. a month just to see <laughs> if, if there's something firsthand that I'm not getting, but I honestly don't think there is. I don't think there is. The only thing I'm thinking of, and I don't know the, the people, your anecdotes come from. So I'm just going to speculate on a, a situation where that kind of, talk would make any sort of sense to me and that's is there someone who does not use computers for their job or like is not part of the world of being deeply involved in their laptop or desktop computer tools it's like i use a browser to check my bank i'm on facebook and yeah. i do a few other things then their biggest experience with computing devices if they're currently using things might be their iphone right and so then an iPad is like a cool grown up do <laughs> big cool things iPhone which they understand well and when they sit in front of a Mac or a, a Dell they just uh, not the person but a Dell computer <laughs> they they just see complexity they see things they have not used and are not familiar with and so that's why the iPad feels so great and, and I'm willing <laughs> to accept that because that argument is I mean, we're, we're back to the, the real work. So it's like for that person, the iPad or even an iPhone or, you know, a, a smart device is, <laughs> is better suited to what for them constitutes real work. But like it may not even be more suited. It's just what they know. Right. And so it feels like a cognitive leap to like I have to translate what I do to something that feels foreign. Yeah, which I'm willing to accept in certain scenarios counts as a, a win, right? Like, I am happy with the way my work is accomplished. 
Yeah. I, I'm not heavily incentivized for maximal improvement, so yeah. this is fine. Don't need to optimize ahead right. of time. Yeah, I mean, as most tech people do not feel that way, but most people using iPads are not highly technical people because they've sold tens of millions of them. Surely there are some average people <laughs> using iPads, right? Or even low tech people. So I'm, I'm not, I mean, I love tablets, I love my smartphone, but. I it never crosses my mind when I'm like I want to write a thing to reach for anything but my laptop you know or if I had a desktop I might go yeah. sit down at that so for what you're doing for for drawing and creativity stuff how do you feel about it so I have a whole list of things about the iPad <laughs> Pro which I mean there's been a bunch of reviews <laughs> I have so stuff. much gushing to gush but I I have some gripes too but um I guess I'll just go down my list. So my, my biggest gripe right off the bat is they packed a 12-watt charger, which is two watts more than what they pack with the other iPads. And uh, this... Uh, is, is it a different... How much bigger is the battery? Um, I don't know the, the milliamp hours. Is it qu- quite a bit? Larger? Yeah. Okay. It's, and at load, when you have if you have full brightness and you're running a game or something intensive... This thing barely treads water slash slowly drowns. While plugged in? Yes. Whoa. Like, I mean, it would probably take days for it to actually power down from that load. But yeah, it sucks. (laughs) And so, yeah, and if you're using it while you're charging it, it... Like, if you're doing less intensive stuff where you take the brightness down, it just very, very slowly adds percentage. <laughs> so, like, can you just, like, maybe it's a limitation of lightning. I don't know what design decisions led to this, but it does not charge fast. It does not charge while you're using it. Right. Kind of in practice. It's like running GPS and being plugged into the cigarette lighter. Exactly. In your car. And I mean, it gets good battery. It gets 10 hours, like, in my experience, it gets solid battery life, but. Those facts are frustrating, so I don't like that. Um, let's see. The pencil is great. I mean, you played with it for 10 minutes, but I've, I've been actually, like, it's, it's, not, it's not real paper. It's not really, like, once you get over that hump of, like, you're still pushing plastic on glass, um, and you start to think about what can I do with this? What are the tools here? Um, it's just, it's really exciting for me. It feels like I still get to practice the concepts and skills that I'll be able to do when I'm sketching on paper. Like it doesn't feel so foreign that I can't transfer my lessons. Well, and the goal is to improve your ability as an artist and as a creative person, not specifically to become the best like chalk <laughs> artist or the best, yeah. N- not to, there's nothing wrong with those things, but you are not disserviced by working in a digital space like yeah. someone who's trying to become a master sculptor. It's like, no, you need to pick up a chisel if you want to be a sculptor, yeah. not play with an iPad. And I just, I mean, having undo, and I mean, people that have been invested in either Cintiqs or Microsoft Surfaces, they can roll their eyes and go, I've been doing this for years, but um, <laughs> I haven't been invested in something this advanced for doing digital art on. Cintiqs are expensive. I think the cheapest one is $1,000. And unless you're professionally involved in that, and they go up to $3,000 if you want the big ones. (laughs) And it's like, unless you're professionally involved in that, this device does nothing but draw. Why wouldn't you get something that can also be a great board game machine or do, you know, Comic books. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. So <laughs> one of the things is I have a... Subs- you just reminded me. I have a subscription to uh, Retro Mags, which is a community that's kind of skirting the, like, is this legal? I don't know. But they, <laughs> they have old video game magazines, Nintendo Power, EGM, oh, Game that's Pro. Awesome. 
and they they have high quality scans. These are like you know seventy to two hundred megabyte comic book reader files of old Nintendo powers and. Reading it on this iPad Pro is like the only time when I'm holding it in portrait that it doesn't feel completely ridiculous. Yeah, it's big. It's really big. <laughs> I'll show it to you after the show, the Nintendo Power, but like <laughs> nostalgia journey and like it doesn't feel like I have to pinch to zoom. I'm just reading a full size magazine. Well, I saw um, somebody somewhere in, in one of their reviews said uh, for a, like a comic app, if you hold it in landscape, you can actually see both pages. Yeah. Of, of like a multi-page spread because its screen is freaking gigantic. Yeah. And I, I'm already like, oh, these Nintendo Power scans just aren't high-res enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's really, really cool. The screen's great. Um, the home screen looks ridiculous. Apple needs to do something about it. I mean, since the first iPad, it's looked ridiculous. Of, yeah. What if it was an iPhone? We just stretch things. Well, so uh, your iPhone's out of reach. But it, is it five icons across the top? No, four. It's four. Okay. So, so um, this screen, which is, uh, what, like 7,000% larger, has <laughs> roughly w- one additional icon? That's ridiculous. Well, that's only when you're in wide. If you're in portrait, it's four. Oh, That's God. just the way the iPads work. So it's just always four and five. Yeah. Like four for portrait yeah, and five for exactly. Um, so that's ridiculous. I mean, y- you can still tell it's it's not like it's an iPad Pro, but like they, they have some software work to do seriously um and does that i mean just to play like android fanboy for a minute like people love to crap all over like oh android just doesn't feel like a tablet os and there's no <laughs> tablet dedicated but something as simple as like oh we have three times the amount of screen real estate how many icons should we have oh no the same amount <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I said three times the amount of screen real estate <laughs> the same amount just make them larger and higher res that's what Johnny wants. They're just committed to this. This is a launcher only, and it's going to mirror every other eye device. Exactly. Does the uh, Apple Watch have 4x5 eyes? No, it's got that weird honeycomb thing. Oh, that's right. It does. <laughs> that's what they should put on the iPad Pro. That would bother me more if I used <laughs> apps on my watch. That's, that's true. Well, um, I don't know. Like since, since I finally have the pencil and I can dive in and do the stuff I got it for and that it's actually working well for that, I'm really happy with it. Again, the whole real work thing, the whole I'm not going to type a lot on this thing. Like, I would, f- I would probably have some buyer's remorse if I thought this was going <laughs> to be my my main blogging machine. Well, so how do you feel as as someone who like works with works in and with lots of technology? Do you think it is getting easier to? be like have a, a workflow that's very multi-device i think we actually talked about this like you do whatever on your tablet and then you do some other parts of the workflow on your laptop or desktop or whatever and then you do whatever on like the mac pro to do the actual rendering of the video and yeah so there's like this one project for one person might involve two three four different devices or machines yeah to- i mean that comes down to dropbox or creative cloud or you know all this stuff but I feel like that's something that actually means I don't want one device that does tries to do everything. Like, sorry, Surface. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, if if we're getting good about you know data sharing and what does Apple call it when you can like open an app immediately? Continuity. Is it continuity? Yeah, and, and Windows 10 has its version. I think it's 
also called continuity maybe. and even just like adobe's working a lot in this even though i'm not the biggest fan of their mobile apps um they have a lot of that too where you press a button and don't have to do anything your mac knows and opens <laughs> illustrator and opens what you are working on so it's not even like hey i put it in your shared folder it's i open the thing yeah. you were working on and it's ready to go so that's that's exactly what I'm getting at is those kinds of workflows because then if you're sitting in front of your your iMac at your desk and you have your, your iPad Pro and it's like you're drawing because the iPad Pro is the right device for that kind of interaction yeah. and the iMac is unquestionably not the right device yeah. for that interaction and then when you – uh, maybe you get a little notification that's like, hey, buddy, you have an email on your Apple Watch, right? <laughs> so then you put down the iPad Pro, turn to the thing with the keyboard, you know, yeah. and, and type an email and then pick your – just like if you had a pad of paper, you would put the pad yeah. of paper down. You wouldn't handwrite a letter and then go put it in the post box, right? So it's um, – I, I almost wonder if uh, general purpose computing is being – smeared by uh not i guess kind of like interfaces like it, ideal interactions like do i need a keyboard then i go to the screen that has a keyboard do i need a, a high um high accuracy uh digitizer then i go to the screen that has that yeah. do i need to leave the house then i want to bring my tiny pocket screen you know, just whatever one is most appropriate for that thing to the point where I could even imagine like maybe you're sitting at your desk and you have like multiple tablets and multiple screens and mm -hmm. and the brains live wherever they live and the data lives everywhere. It's it's a weird world we're getting into. Yeah. I mean, do you think tablets are kind of in that place of like laptops early on when it's like, well, I need power. The desktop has power. I can run my big apps on it. And, uh, man, all my data is on that hard drive. I don't want to move it to the laptop. And, like, just the way cloud services and also the advance of speed that it's like, now I feel like laptops are unquestionably the default. Oh, yeah. Desktops are like, oh, I guess you either work in a organization that still <laughs> does this or you preferred it like you wanted something for a specific yeah, reason you, so, you edit video and you need to crunch 4k yeah, footage it's, it's a big gaming pc yeah. or or if you want it, a Mac. unquestionably not the default anymore yeah and i don't know that the tablet will ever displace the laptop as the default well we're also very far but it can from, become a stable yeah it's part, already part of it. it seems like it's becoming a stable part we're also really far from the time i mean even just in the late nineties or early two thousands, even it was like, do you own a computer? And now it's how many computers do you own? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, some people carry multiple phones for Christ's sake, like <laughs> let alone how many laptops, Steve how many Wozniak. <laughs> well, um, I mean, so people joke about like, Oh, I'm going to wear an Apple watch on each wrist or whatever. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds dumb because you're on a full sleeve of Apple watch. But it only, to me, it really only sounds dumb because you're calling it a watch and wearing two watches would be dumb. But saying I have two screens that have like all these magic powers is not dumb, right? You already carry a laptop and a pendants. smartphone. <laughs> yeah. My eye pendant. <laughs> But it, there's, I think we actually talked about this, this smearing of, of technology once before, but I feel like this is where these devices are going is, is drop-in replacement. The era of drop-in replacement is, is ending. 
maybe it'll never fully end, but it's ending. It's getting less important where it's not like before I had a desktop, then I had a laptop. Well, it's never a, a good replacement because the new thing is always different because if it wasn't different, it wouldn't be a new thing. But it's like, I would say that a laptop is absolutely a replacement for a desktop if you have an external monitor or if you care. Yeah. So if you care about having a 30-inch screen, a laptop is far and away powerful enough to do everything a desktop does yeah. unless you need to do 4K video rendering or super high-performance gaming. But with just those exceptions, you could use a laptop and never, ever touch a desktop. Yeah. I do not feel like a smartphone or a tablet can or even should take that throne away from a laptop. Like. It's not designed to serve those purposes. Well, that's why I was thinking of like the transition from handwriting to typewriters. It was like you could imagine being the handwriter, like I don't know how to like <laughs> this is like an instrument, and I'm not a musician. Qwerty, what's that? And just like and this thing's so not very expressive. I can express with my hand, and it's very detailed, and I can swoop and I can hop around. This thing, you have to like carriage return, and you have to <laughs> scroll, and you have to white out like. You could see the skeptics complaint, and then typewriters to like crappy '90s, '80s word processors. Oh, those things were weird. The standalone, like that yeah. was that was like the single application. That was like the disc. netbook of that transition. <laughs> was like this is not the no, <laughs> but you could see the typewriter people being like, "But this is tangible. It's not lost in that little machine." And like the the incumbent always gets that be benefit of the doubt of like well this was this has been perfected into doing what i do yeah and the new thing doesn't seem like a worthy rival at first well and this is why whenever someone's big air quotes real work <laughs> involves text entry i'm like then i don't understand why you want a tablet yeah because a macbook air weighs like 2 pounds a MacBook, the one port, weighs like 1.7 pounds. <laughs> one it, it's really, really light, right? An iPad Pro with the matching keyboard case is probably very close to the same weight. So it's like... It's a weird crossover of like, this is a bigger screen than the smallest MacBook. Is it really? Yeah. Well, 12 inch, this is 12.9, so... Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I mean. It's like, at, at that point... Is there a then it just is the environment you prefer? Yeah, because it's about the same portability, it's about the same battery life. The workflows are the different part, right? Yeah. Do I tap on the glass or do I have a trackpad? Am I using single apps or at most two apps side by side <laughs> or do I have a windowing system? Yeah, so I don't. I it's don't like know. you would never go about choosing from that though. You go, What are you doing? <laughs> What do you want to be able to do? Well, okay, <laughs> choose the appropriate thing. Yes, but not Apple devices, right? It's, well, of course I have a MacBook and an iPad and an iPhone and an <laughs> Apple Watch, even though I don't need most of these things, and a lot of them have tremendous overlap. Needs another <laughs> word that gets thrown around a lot with this stuff as and, some yes. like <laughs> sacred word of you can only purchase things you need. You're very right. <laughs> you, you, Yes. So I want all of these things, right? And I mean, I have, you know, my work iPad and I do use it for certain stuff, but the vast majority of the time I'm as likely to reach for my phone or my laptop as I am to grab the iPad. Yeah. It's unless I know I'm specifically going to like watch some YouTube videos that are in my feed or something, 
I'm just like, it's a bigger version of what I do on my phone. I'm with the iPad Pro, I've been feeling a little bit of like, it's not that I try to do things I use my laptop for in the iPad Pro, but I'm noticing the, the anything that was in the gray area, like just lots of reading and consumption things, but like a, a lot of things are like, I'll reach for the iPad and the laptop's like, I gotta like unfold this thing <laughs> and it doesn't have a fingerprint sensor. So I gotta type my password like an animal. And But it does have an excellent text entry the, device. The laptop is so cold because it's just metal <laughs> and picking that up is freezing. <laughs> just weird, like weird psychological, not like logical reasons. But these are, these are <laughs> things that eventually inform purchasing decisions. Yeah. I mean, because eventually you're gonna say, do I buy? my laptop's outdated do i buy a new laptop or do i buy the newer ipad you know so eventually these little things will build up in your mind and inform where your money goes yeah i don't know it's an interesting evolution but if i were to make a bet i would say the tablet is becoming slotted in next to and will not replace which i don't think is controversial but (laughs) (laughs) I think for some people it is. I think some people are like, no, the iPad will be... And this is why I find this controversial because I like the idea of my data just being in this amorphous cloud that's everywhere and it's secure and I can always get to it and the applications are smart and they use standard formats that all understand each other. So I can start writing Markdown on my phone because I'm at a stoplight and I have nothing available to me but my phone and I really need to get this thought out of my head. But then when I want to expand that into like a full blog post, I need a real physical keyboard because to type the whole thing on glass would be miserable, right? So I like the multi-screen, multi-device, it's about the job to be done kind Mm -hmm. of approach. But I feel like a lot of people who are big Apple fans... Which one has the biggest part of the Venn diagram for them? (laughs) Exactly. But I feel like a lot of people who are big Apple fans are desperately trying to make the iPad into something it's not. And the people who actually can use the iPad as their only device are just already doing that yeah. because they know what their needs are. Their needs are simple. The device meets those needs. Or they're they're just writers. Sorry, not their needs, their (laughs) wants. Or they're they're basically bloggers, and that's why they're so loud about this because they have to publish (laughs) three pieces a week. That's true. And they attach or have a Bluetooth keyboard. And yeah, if you're just writing and yeah. You can get by. It's fine. For that person, I would just say, like, so why not get an 11-inch MacBook Air for half the price, twice the battery life? they want an iPad. Exactly. (laughs) They don't need it, but man, do they want it. And that's I. this is where I feel like it comes down to the, whenever I hear someone talk about workflows, uh, the iOS workflows are perfectly respectable and fine, and, you know, Android workflows are perfectly respectable and fine. I don't have any problem with that, but... I've never had an interaction on a touch device that I was like, this is so obviously superior. I never want to do it with a trackpad again. Yeah. And not, I mean, there, I love my phone. I do all kinds of dumb crap on my phone, but, and, and on my iPad, but I, I don't, I can't, I don't see the attraction when someone's like, well, I'll carry this little stand or I have a case that acts as a stand for the iPad. And then I also have this Bluetooth keyboard. And when I want to switch apps, I just reach straight out no, in front of Command me. Command tab is so <laughs> much faster. It's so much better. But th- And I've tried to ask people. I'm like, oh, so you use this as like what we used to jokingly call a crap top, 
right? A crappy laptop. And it's like, oh, so you use this like this. Why? Isn't it weird yeah. to have to reach way the hell out in front of you? Like you're all obsessed with ergonomics and then you're doing this awkward pointing, spearing guilt yeah. motion. That's why why I made such a big deal. Give me keyboard shortcuts and I'll give it a whirl. But right. you, you have to give me that path to faster power user stuff. Yeah, the only I was thinking you're you're saying something about there's never been a touch gesture where you're like, well, I really wish I could only do that and not have a trackpad. The only thing is like, and this isn't this is more emotional than <laughs> like logical is like the the modern email client swiping to archive and delete feels really good on touch screens. And it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it yeah. on tablets. And so, like murdering like a pile <laughs> of thirty emails, which I honestly don't have to do much in my job, um, but I can remember a time when I did. Is that feels viscerally like yes, yes, done, so, done, 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 done. So here's here's a good uh, advocate candidate for the smearing of the workflow. Because I will take out my phone and be like, oh, God, I have like 70 work emails or, you know, combined between personal and work emails or whatever. But then what inevitably happens? You go through and you're like, you know, junk, 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 unsubscribe, archive, junk, unsubscribe, whatever. And then you get to one and you're like, oh, I got to leave that one in my inbox because I can't reply to it. That's until I'm for back my to, laptop. Until I'm back to a keyboard. <laughs> yeah. Right. So then it's, it's... And how that's going to inform the way you feel about your laptop. <laughs> right. And yeah, because then it's like, oh, well, this is a, an email that I actually have to respond to and I don't want to type it on my phone because then everybody has to have a signature that says, sorry for the typos. I typed this on my iDroid. And then you're just like, oh, come on. Come on, big boss. Don't do that. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want my laptop to be an email machine. Like that's ridiculous. But I mean, I do other writing and, and text entry tasks, you know, so that's fine. But like, this is, uh, the, my problem with it is like, we're just talking about, you know, getting things out of your head. And, uh, what part of a small part of that for me is trying not to use email as a to-do list. I'm never going to succeed at that, Yeah. but I'm trying not to do that. And if I know that I just went through my inbox and it's like, yeah, I looked at 12 emails, but seven of them I'm going to have to look at again. It's like, then did I really handle my email? No, mm -hmm. I ignored things that did not need my attention and I didn't do anything with the things that do need my attention, except now I know they need my attention. Yeah. So now I'm just carrying that around. <laughs> but it is that I, I like that you brought up the smear again, because it's like the all the tasks of email like parts of them may be more satisfying or easier or more accessible never satisfying <laughs> more accessibly done on different devices when you're just like it comes in on your watch and you're like nope and like that's out of your mind now that newsletter from the president doesn't matter swiped gone <laughs> and when i do set up, sit down at my laptop that's already gone it's out of mind out of sight that's yeah i guess so even if you're now carrying around like, oh, I got to answer these six emails, when you get to your text entry device of choice, it's like, oh, the garbage is gone and yeah. everything before me is the stuff I know I actually have to interact with. So yeah, yeah there's something to be pre-sorting your mail. Yeah, it's. <sighs> but again, that's the kind of thing where you're like, so everyone run out and buy a $300 watch. Right. And you're just like, but I don't need it. Yeah. Okay. No one needs any of this. <laughs> no, nobody anything Can ever. We stop using the word need for a while. Well, this is the the evolution. I need of language, Wi-Fi, right? Like we, 
need has been redefined because all of our actual like survival needs are so obviously met <laughs> that we we're starting three levels up on the hierarchy of needs yeah. because it is a foregone conclusion that the others are met, you know, two, three levels up. I don't know. Not at the base. And it, I mean, <laughs> running this podcast, it is like, I'm painfully aware of the distinct privilege <laughs> that I get to complain and talk about needing all these things I don't need. Sure. And, and with your giant iPad pro <laughs> over there. So one thing I back to praising it for what it is good at. Um, I was playing with, uh, was it Procreate? Yes, your there? favorite app name. It's, it's so dumb. It's so terrible. Uh, a hyphen, a space. It's a great something. app, though. It's a fantastic app, but um, one of the little touches I thought was incredibly clever but requires a very real mental shift is uh, you f- if, you're, if you're any kind of artist, uh, even if you're just doing something like one of the cool adult coloring apps, uh, you don't typically keep the thing you're writing on in front of you in a perfectly static orientation. You turn it, right? Mm-hmm. But with a tablet, that feels weird because you're not changing the orientation of a physical object. You're changing the orientation of a representation of a physical object. And with that app, you can physically turn the canvas with the exact same kind of hand gesture you would use to tilt a piece of paper without changing the actual orientation of the device which is relevant because there are some uh menus that are along the sides that you want them to be right next to your resting hand so you, you want can, to know where they are always <laughs> right so you can quickly switch like to a brush or a pencil or the eraser or whatever like lightning fast faster than you could with a physical object actually and so getting the there, there's like a divide between well i turned the thing but i only pretend turned the thing and I can immediately understand the usefulness of it, but I'm also very aware of it's going to take time for me to mentally mm-hmm. grok this instead of having to go, oh, no, don't actually tilt the iPad. Just turn yeah. the paper. Yeah, I mean, no one dies if you turn the iPad, too. It's just the second you want to quickly change the side of the brush, you got to think about switching. Sure. And there's a lot around ergonomics, I'm sure, that if you have it in an orientation where the menus can be close to your hand when your hand and your shoulders and your back and everything are in a good position, physically moving the iPad upsets all of that. You know, I mean like there's always the, the image of like the hunched over engineer or artist or whatever at the drafting table. And they're like faces inches from it (laughs) because they're like doing super fine detail and stuff. And, you know, being able to zoom, like, oh man, oh, I want to do this super that. fine detail, so I'm going to make I it. I turn giant. my brush down to one pixel and I zoom this way the hell up, and yeah, yeah. that's like this is why I've used I, that a lot. This I'm is like, why I think if you just... went back in time, no artist would ever have been like, oh no, I don't need this. It's like, yeah, but <laughs> you'll be want like, this. What demons are involved <laughs> yeah. with this witchcraft? You have a time machine, and instead of killing Hitler, you're using it to show me an iPad yeah. Pro. What is wrong with you? But I'm 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 bullish on the concept. I am still finding myself incredibly frustrated with the general ad. And I mean, is I hate to be down on Apple people because it's so very in you know in style. <laughs> but uh, I'm still very down on people who are like, it's amazing. It replaces everything. This is the only anything forever now. And I'm just like, relax. It's not that. But it can be something amazing. But it's never going to be what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I'm, I'm the hype machine is obnoxious always. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it died down incredibly quickly with the iPad Pro because uh, the the target audience is very small. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of debate around like, well, will giant phones just replace tablets? But the iPad Pro was never a broad consumer device. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't it's think got so. Pro in the name, like it's meant for professionals. Yeah, yeah, it's not a mass market play or. In context, it might be for certain kinds of devices, but yeah. in the broad, yeah, yeah, they 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 will probably make a big move on like the Cintiq market or whatever. Yeah, the bamboo tablet. Well, market. it's all a question of if the software or if AstroPad proves to be good enough for people. Like, why would you buy a Cintiq, assuming you can do your job with this thing that's cheaper and does more? Yeah, but, I don't know. The See, does more <laughs> is always a complicated thing to like. What what software ever didn't say I can do more than that other thing? Well, and when you're talking about professional tools, that's not necessarily a selling point. It may be understood, but if you go like we we know a, a creative person who's actually a listener. Hi, Trevor. We know someone <laughs> who uses a. Uh, is does he have a Cintiq? Um, he uses he uses a, a thing. It like might that. might be an Intuos. Does it have a Does it have a screen or is it just? It a, has a screen. Oh, then it's probably a Cintiq. Okay, yeah. So he uses a device like that, but. It's a tool. Like he's a craftsman. That's a tool. So it's kind of like if you went to a carpenter and said, "Like, well, that's a cool hammer, but on this hammer, you can also read your email." It's like I don't use my hammer for that. <laughs> yeah. That's not what my hammer is yeah. for. So if you go to someone who's already used to using a, a Cintiq style tablet or a bamboo or a Wacom Wacom tablet, <laughs> and you say to them, "Like, oh, you can do all the same stuff and other stuff," and it's like. But I don't need this thing yeah. to also do those things. The biggest knock on the Cintiq is it's not a full PC. It's just a screen tablet drawing. Yeah, it's a single purpose so device. It, it always has to be tethered to an actual computer. Right. And and so you're the, not taking it to the coffee right. shop, which exactly there's a lot of obvious <laughs> benefits to like, wouldn't it be cool if you could do the same kind of work but wherever the hell you wanted instead of in front of your trash can MacBook Pro yeah. or Mac Pro in your office? Like, Depends what kind of artist you are, though. You might be like, I never do work outside of my office. That's where I do my work. <laughs> but until now, doing work outside of your office was not an option. Yeah. So that's why well, it's like... Well, there would be a big population of, like, hell yes people. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's an incredibly nuanced... And that's why people who are like, this is now, this now solves all problems forever. <laughs> like, nothing ever solves all problems forever. Except alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it also causes all problems forever. All right, have we have we done it? Have we beaten this horse? <laughs> um, I will be this interested. Horse. So there's one other thing I, I want to mention. I don't think we got around to mentioning this. Um, so you've been doing sketching on here, right? Mm-hmm. And your ridiculously named application does a cool playback thing. Yeah. And so you have some videos you're going to share in the show notes? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So people should check those out, not just to compliment you on your amazing skills, but also to see exactly what kinds of things you get out of using a device like this right yeah because you as a creative person like being able to watch that stuff back i didn't have to set up a camera and plan a time lapse right it yeah. just happens yeah no doc cam over a piece of paper 
got to set up the lighting. Like yeah, I wasn't just, even thinking about how I could document and share like the drawing process. And I was just like, oh, this already did it. Yes. Blog post time. I didn't even know I wanted this. <laughs> now I need this. No, that's, yeah, it's one of the nice little nuggets of Procreate. Yeah, so we'll throw those in the show notes. Where can people find those show notes? Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so let's do the wrap up. So thank you for listening to Flipping Tables, episode 99. Uh, you can find show notes and links to all these things we mentioned at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 99. And uh, you can also listen there. Um, me and David love feedback, and we're both on Twitter. You can find me at M. Edwards Music. And I am at Lions in Beta. And uh, while you're on our website, you can uh, subscribe uh, with your favorite podcatcher. So I use Overcast.fm on my iPhone, and David, you're using... Pocket Casts. And uh, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of podcast apps, and a lot of them are getting pretty good. Um, we don't really care which one you use, but these are the ones we like. And uh, you can use the RSS button or iTunes button on our website, or you can probably search in your app uh, for Flipping Tables or Sunrise Robot. And uh, that'll work out. If you have any questions about that, just uh, send us a tweet and we'll, we'll help you figure it out. Um, you can also support us directly. Uh, we're, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And, uh, you know, every dollar uh, helps us keep the lights on and, and keeps doing things um, to produce these shows. Uh, we have six different shows and, uh, you know, there's always a chance we'll invent some new ones. And, uh, so that's awesome. And depending on the level you support us, you might get your name mentioned on uh, the end of an episode. So with that, some special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Cunningham Pro, and Carolyn Kraut. We love you guys. So, so much. See you next week.